a Bible, raise your hand, and these guys will be glad to give you one. Let me just mention a couple of things to you, and then we'll, we're going to jump into Passover and talk about that a little bit, specifically the history of it, tied into communion we did last week. I want to remind you, gentlemen, because it's coming up this Saturday, we're going to have a men's breakfast here Saturday, and Steve Nance will be out in the lobby afterwards. If you think you'd like to come Saturday, kind of give him an idea of how much food he needs to, to uh, have. That's this coming Saturday, May 6th, right here, probably in the lobby. But it'll be right here in the, in the can't, if you get in the building, you probably will find it. It's hard to get lost in here. So that's this Saturday. If you'd like to be part of it, Steve's going to be out in the lobby afterwards. And then there's a lot of things going on. And again, we're not making a ton of announcements, so please read the bulletin or go to the website. There's some envelopes out here in the lobby going to give you an opportunity to be involved, maybe in helping uh, a kids camp. The other things coming up we'll talk about. If you want your kids to go to kids camp or the student ministry trip is coming up to Chattanooga, need to make sure you get them signed up and take advantage of those things. So, uh, having said that, let's go to Luke chapter 22. Now, what we're going to do today is look at Passover. So, I'm going to make it hard on you. We're going to be going to two books. So, you're going to have to work difficult. It's going to be hard for you today. We're going to be in Luke, and then we're also going to be in Exodus chapter 12. So just kind of get ready and limber up your Bible and or your device or your fingers, whatever you got to do to get ready. So Luke 22, this Passover, we're really going to focus on, last week we looked in detail at the communion and what the Apostle, the Apostle Paul got from Jesus himself, and then we shared the Lord's Supper together in a very special time, and I think God really blessed our time together last week. And what the Lord was leading me to do was I want to go back, even though we're going to look at a little of that at the end, whether it's this week or next week, we're going to look at a little bit of that again. What I also want to do is make sure you understand the emotion, the pathos, the moment in the heart and the life of your Savior as he ate that last supper with his disciples. That, that he called it a special emotional Passover for him because this was Jesus' fourth Passover with these guys. But he said, if you look at Luke 22, verse 7, look what he says. Then came the day of unleavened bread when the Passover must be killed. Come back to that in a moment. Drop down to verse, or verse 8. He sent, Jesus sent Peter and John saying, go and prepare the Passover for us that we may eat. Now verse 15. And Jesus said to them, with fervent desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. So I want you to notice as we get ready to look at this, the preparation for this Passover. That's, that's the title of the message. That's where this came from. And the whole genesis of understanding as we celebrated the Lord's Supper last week and the, the symbolism of the body and the blood and the moment, that, that, that's, that incredible sacrifice, that substitutionary atoning sacrifice of the innocent Lamb of God that we might be children of God, that we might be saved, we might have peace and hope and understand love. All the things that comes with being a believer in Jesus Christ comes to this moment, this Passover. That's why in Greek, and we'll get into this later, there in verse 15, when he says, with fervent desire, I have desired, it's a repetitive emphasis. Jesus is saying, I really, really have desired to spend this Passover. Remember, it was his fourth 
they always, as Jews, they celebrated Passover. We'll see why in a moment. But Jesus was Passover. Paul writes that later to the church at Corinth. Christ is our Passover. He was sacrificed for us. And Jesus said this Passover, the last supper, the one that before he left the planet, you know how long he'd been having the fervent desire to eat this Passover with them? Not just the three, four years he'd spent with them, but from eternity past. From the Garden of Eden, when he said to Satan, we'll crush your head. That moment has arrived. This is history. Not just history. It is when God deemed himself to sacrifice and become a man and humbly choose to die in our place. We celebrate Easter, which is we're celebrating Passover, which is celebrating that sacrifice by choice. He allowed himself to be mocked and beaten, all the things we looked at last week, stripped naked, because he loved us. That's what this Passover was about. And so he said to the disciples, with a fervent desire, I want to eat this Passover, but not just for the historical moment and the significance of the fact it was redemption being played out. Because if this Passover doesn't occur, we can't be saved. Somebody had to pay for our sins, just like in the Garden of Eden. After Adam and Eve sinned, they tried to cover it up and be good. But what did God say? No. Blood had to be shed to get the skin. Some animal had to die to cover them, and the word in Hebrew means atonement. From the very beginning of the Bible, all the way through Revelation, it's about the atoning sacrifice of the Passover lamb so that we could be saved, so that Adam and Eve could be saved, so that, so that they could know redemption. They tried their best, which, by the way, is what we do. Prior to your being saved, and I don't know what age you were when you were born again, but most of you have adult friends because you're adults. If you have adult friends and you go up and you ask them a simple question, if you die, you're going to heaven, what are most of them going to say to you? If they're not Christian friends you go to church with, and even some of them say it, most are going to say what? I hope so. Well, the Passover occurs so you don't have to hope. You can know and have real hope, confident expectation, because Passover occurred. So, from Luke 22, remember, Jesus and everybody in that room was Jewish. They were eating the Passover just like they had done their entire lives. Their parents did. Their grandparents did. Their entire ancestral line, which was a big deal to them, traced it all the way back to Moses, in this case, had eaten Passover and celebrated it annually as the moment God delivered them from bondage in Egypt. That's what they're doing. And that's all the disciples know at this point. It's going to be interesting. We're going to see later. And Jesus changes Remember, what we looked at last week at 1 Corinthians was written prior to the Gospels being written. So now as these Jews get ready to celebrate Passover, let's see what was going on. Turn to Exodus chapter 12. Exodus chapter 12. So this is the preparation, the historical preparation that they would go through to celebrate Passover. Now, we just read over in Luke, you don't have to go back, we will see it later, 
because I want to, it really, ha and we're going to go through some history here, so I hope you bear with me for a few moments. I find it fascinating. I hope you do as well, because it really helps you put the Bible together, the history together, and it should uh, ignite whatever you're carrying inside your being. It should light it up for Jesus. In Luke chapter 22, we just read the feast when the day with the feast of unleavened bread. It doesn't say Passover. It says feast of unleavened bread. Let me put that together for you for just a second so we'll all be on the same page. Unleavened bread was part of the festival of Passover. It became synonymous with the word Passover because they were intertwined, and I'll explain why. The festival, so bear, so bear with me. If you're taking a write on your spouse, and perhaps you'll remember this. Very good. Festival of Passover included three feasts. Are you with me so far? Festival included three feasts. The three feasts that were part of the festival of Passover were Passover. I wish God had chosen another name for the festival, but he didn't. I'll talk to him about that when I get to heaven. And he'll say, hey, boy. Festival had three feasts. Feast number one was Passover. Feast number two was unleavened bread. Feast number three was first fruits. By the way, there'll be a quiz later. Okay. Feast number three was first fruits. Boy, I get so excited when I talk about this. I'm actually spitting all over myself. All right. Someone will have to edit that out of the sermon. So, Feast of Unleavened Bread was part of the Passover festival. Those are the three feasts. So, let me just quickly hit it. Passover feast, not festival. The Passover feast was a one 24-hour day of celebration. It was from sundown to sundown. It began on the 15th day of the month of Nisan, and it lasted for 24 hours. It's the day, by the way, that Jesus was crucified. Pretty interesting, huh? God knows what he's doing. All right, one 24-hour period. That's the Passover feast. Unleavened bread was a seven-day celebration that began at the end of that 24-hour period. Are you with me so far? Passover, twilight, sundown to sundown, one day, the 15th day. At the end of that 24-hour period, the next Sunday, unleavened bread begins, and it lasts for seven days. It's the end of the Passover feast. It lasts for seven days, and they would only eat unleavened bread. Unleavened bread simply means bread without yeast. We'll talk a lot about that as we walk through this, but it simply means bread baked without yeast. Yeast is leaven, and leaven became to represent to the Hebrew people, and still does to this day. It represents evil slash sin. In a moment, I'm going to tie this together, and you're going to be on, standing on top of those chairs, I hope, because I am figuratively. All right, so the Passover feast, 24 hours in, unleavened bread begins, boom, right then. At the soonest Passover feast ends, the pa Passover feast ends, unleavened bread feast begins, and it lasts for seven days. So you've got eight days, and that's why unleavened bread became to be synonymous with Passover, all right? So you've got that eight-day period of time. They would only eat unleavened bread. It's called the mitzah. You ever, or matzah, you ever heard of matzah balls? That's what it is. That's where the word came from, without leaven. And it became a symbol. Matter of fact, the Apostle Paul later on writes to the church at Corinth, a little leaven or evil will leaven the whole lump, talking about the church being a lump. And knowing most of us, that's probably a, a good way to describe us. So he says you don't want a little leaven or sin. A little bit can get in there and destroy the whole thing if you let it. 
So you got the two festivals. Then the third one, which we're not going to talk a whole lot about in this, is first fruits. And first fruits represents the resurrection. And it's celebrated at the end of unleavened bread. So, and matter of fact, the Apostle Paul, you always read those passages at Easter, said, but now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep or passed away. So here it is. You have Passover. The Passover lamb is killed. We'll see in a moment at twilight. He's sacrificed. Then unleavened begins for unleavened bread begins for seven days, and they celebrate being set free. We'll talk about that in a moment. At the end of that time, they celebrate that in the future one day there'll be a harvest. That's called resurrection. So hang with me. What God gives them in the Passover festival is the picture of salvation, justification, sanctification, glorification. You are saved at Passover. You live every day in the process of being sanctified, cleaning out the unleavened, cleaning out the leaven in your life, unleavened bread. That's why it lasted seven days. And then one day you'll go home to the place of no leaven, first fruits. Jesus was the first fruits. And when you're saved, you're part of the latter rain, that latter harvest. You see the picture? You get goosebumps talking about it. Magnificent. When you understand Scripture and you see what God was doing. These people, they didn't know. All they, know, all they knew was, and we're in Exodus 12 now. I know we ain't got there yet, but we're going to. In, in Exodus 12, all they know is God is, woo, he's teaching Pharaoh some lessons, and, and I think we're going to be set free. They had no idea. The, tw the 11 guys were in the room with Jesus when he said, with fervent desire, I've desired to eat this Passover with you. Those 11 guys didn't understand it. Not yet. You see the privilege we have to have By the way, what day did Jesus die? He died on the 15th month. He died at twilight. We're set free because he did rise from the dead. Resurrection allows us to be free. Exodus chapter 12. Jesus has been preparing for this Passover since this moment, obviously for all eternity but especially this moment. Passover to the Jews, but Jesus says we're going to celebrate this Passover. Passover to the 11 men in the room and every other Jew simply meant what we're about to read, the celebration of the Exodus from Egypt, Exodus 12. 
The Lord spoke to Moses, verse 1, and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be your beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. So the Jewish calendar begins with this month. Speak to all the congregation of Israel, saying, On the tenth of this month, every man shall take for himself a lamb, according to the house of his father, a lamb for a household. Note, it's the tenth day of the month. You know what day Palm Sunday was when Jesus rode into Jerusalem? Take a guess. The tenth day of the month of Nisan. Think that was an accident? He's the Passover. Tenth day of the month. You take a lamb. Each household take a lamb. And if the household is too small for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next to his house take it according to the number of the persons. According to each man's need, you shall make your count for the lamb. Now notice verse 5. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. You could take it from the sheep or from the goats. A male without blemish. That exact terminology is used to describe Jesus Christ later on. Without blemish, without fault. Now, verse 6. You shall keep it until the 14th day of the same month. Then the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it at twilight. Good Friday, the day Jesus was crucified. What day, when did he die? At twilight. They shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and on the lintel of the houses where they eat it. And then they shall eat the flesh on that night, roasted in fire with unleavened bread and with bitter herbs they shall eat it. Do not eat it raw, nor boiled at all with water, but roasted in fire, its head with its legs and its entrails. You shall let none of it remain until morning, and what remains of it until morning you, burn, you shall burn with fire, and thus you shall eat it. So they totally consume, either by eating or by burning, they totally consume the Passover lamb. Jesus sacrificed his, his body, his blood, his all for you. Verse 11, this is how you eat it. With a belt on your waist, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand, you shall eat it in haste. It's the Lord's Passover. I will pass through the land of Egypt on that night, and I will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, all the gods of Egypt. Notice plural, gods of Egypt. All the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. The point being made is Egypt had all these gods, but none of them were God. He'd been pointing us out to Pharaoh over and over again. I am God, told, told Moses. His name was I am. You may have a bunch of gods, but none of them am. I am God. Verse 13, now the blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. And the plague shall not be on you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. Verse 14, so this day shall be to you a memorial, and you shall keep it as a feast Passover to the Lord throughout your generations. You shall keep it as a feast by an everlasting ordinance. Seven days you shall eat unleavened bread. On the first day you'll remove leaven from your houses, for whoever eats leavened bread from the first day till the seventh day, that person shall be cut off from Israel. In other words, this is serious. I expect you to remember. Remember what I do this night. On the first day there'll be a holy convocation. On the seventh day there shall be a holy convocation for you. No manner of work shall be done on them, but that which everyone must eat that only may be prepared by you. You shall observe the feast of unleavened bread, for on this same day I will have brought your armies out of the land of Egypt. Therefore you shall observe this day throughout your generations as an everlasting ordinance. Year after year after year, celebrate Passover. Still to this day, Jews celebrate Passover. In the first month, on the 14th day of the month at, at evening, You'll eat unleavened bread until the 21st day of the month at evening. 
For seven days no leaven shall be found in your houses, since whoever eats what is leavened, that same person shall be cut off from the congregation of Israel, whether he is a stranger or a native of the land. You'll eat nothing leavened. In all your dwellings you shall eat unleavened bread, bread without yeast, without sin, the picture. So Moses called for all the elders of Israel, and he said to them, Pick out and take lambs for yourselves according to your families, and kill the Passover lamb. You shall take a bunch of hyssop, dip it in the blood that's in the basin, and strike the lintel in the two doorposts with the blood that's in the basin. None of you shall go out of the door of his house until morning, because you have without the blood covering you, which is what atonement is, you can't be saved. Death does not pass over unless you're covered in the blood of the lamb. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. For the Lord will pass through to strike the Egyptians, and when he sees the blood on the lintel and on the two doorposts, the Lord will pass over the door and not allow the destroyer to come into your houses, death, to strike you. You shall observe this thing as an ordinance for you and your sons forever. Forever. It will come to pass when you come to the land which the Lord will give you, just as he promised that you shall keep this service. And it shall be when your children say to you, what do you mean by this service? To this day, they still do it. You shall say, it is the Passover sacrifice of the Lord who passed over the houses of the children of Israel in Egypt when he struck the Egyptians and he delivered our households. So the people bowed their heads and worshipped. So here God is saying, now you can go back to Luke. God is saying, this is what I'm going to do. You get ready. I'm going to send the death angel and he's going to pass, death will pass over the houses that have the blood. You stay in the house, you put the blood of the lamb over you, and death will pass over you. And when you get saved, that's exactly what happens to you. That your house, which becomes the temple of the Holy Spirit, the death angel passes over you when the blood is on your heart. So, Here's the history. Israel had been slaves in Egypt for 400 years. God says to them, I'm going to send plagues on Pharaoh in Egypt to set you free. The last plague is Passover. And after Passover, what happens? They're set free. The exodus occurs, and they're set free. So the first Passover in Egypt, slaughter the lamb, put the lamb's blood, eat the lamb, you eat the lamb with bitter herbs, unleavened bread, and haste. We're later going to go over all of these things. You're dressed to travel in haste. Get ready to go because you're leaving God's commands. Celebrate Passover every year going forward. Now, back in Luke, look at verse 8. Let's look at Peter and John's preparation. Verse 8. So he sent Peter and John saying, go and prepare the Passover. Notice verse 7, day of unleavened bread, verse 8, Passover. All together, all one celebration. Go and prepare the Passover that we may eat. Now Peter and John, all they know is we're doing what we do every year, what we Jews do at, to get ready for Passover. Jesus was going to be the host of the meal, so he's telling them as the host, let's get ready for Passover. They're just doing what they would normally do. Here's what they would do as Jews. They would have to go and get them an approved lamb, a male without blemish, set it aside, watched it for those days, and then they would take it, they would have to buy one more than likely, take it to the priest at the temple, and it had to be slaughtered. They would blow the trumpet three times, the blood from the lamb would be collected, 
Then they would splash some on the altar, like we just read in Exodus, and then they would take it to the host home, and they would roast the lamb. Then they would have the herbs, the unleavened bread, and the wine, getting ready to eat their Passover meal, and they would recline during part of that meal because they were at rest, because God had set them free. They would recline, and the picture being joy and rest as they celebrated Passover. I read an article about it historically when this, the, the year that this, this Passover, Jesus, the Last Supper, took place. They figured there was probably 250,000 lambs that were slaughtered at the temple for that Passover. It said it would just been like a river of blood flowing out of the temple down to the Kidron Spring Creek into that valley. It's that picture, blood everywhere. Because without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. So now let's look at Jesus' preparation. Peter and John just going to get ready to, to celebrate Passover like they always do. But look at what Jesus said, verse 10. And he said to them, Behold, when you have entered the city, a man will meet you carrying a pitcher of water. Follow him into the house which he enters. And you shall say to the master of the house, The teacher says to you, Where is the guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? And he will show you a large furnished upper room. There make ready. Now, they don't know this is their last Passover with Jesus yet. They really don't understand it. But Jesus said, I've already got it prepared. You just go and you look for a man carrying water. I've got everything prepared. What's fascinating about this, if you know the culture, men didn't carry water. Who carried water? Women did. Men didn't do that. So does, would they have had any trouble finding this guy? No. Jesus had everything. You go and you'll see a man carrying water. Wait a minute. Men don't carry water. Yeah, but you're going to see one, and I've already arranged it with him. You go to him, and, and then you just tell him, the teacher said, do this. Jesus said, he'll give you the room. Everything's ready. You just go do it. Find the man carrying the water. Now, let's walk quickly through the procedure of the Passover. Procedure. Look at verse, yeah, let's see. Let's just talk about the, I'm going to do a little bit out of order on your outline. We're going to get to all of it either this week or next week, so just hang with me. We're going to deal with the order of the meal first, to kind of put the picture together. This is what they would do during the Passover meal. Every year, they've been doing this since they left Egypt. They still do it today in Orthodox homes. First thing they do, they would have a prayer of thanksgiving as they get ready to celebrate the meal. Second thing is they would drink one, the first cup of wine, cup number one. They would share that together. Third thing they would do is they would eat the bitter herbs and a paste that they had put together, and they would sing Psalm 113 and Psalm 114. They would sing those two psalms and eat the bitter herbs as a reminder of how tough it had been to be a slave. The bitter herbs were made like a brick. They made bricks for Egypt, and it was a reminder of how bitter slavery was. And God had set them free from slavery. And we need to be reminded on a regular basis, if Jesus doesn't set us free from sin, we're in bondage. We need to just, that's what being reminded and understanding Passover, the lamb, sets you free. So the third thing they would do is eat the bitter herbs. The fourth thing they would do is they would drink cup number two of the wine, and whoever the host was, in this case Jesus, the host would explain Passover. Would that not have been a cool Bible study to be at? 
Jesus said, all right, boys, let me explain to you what happened in Egypt Passover. Let me tell you what that's all about. And by the way, that's all about me. Just begin to walk them through what Passover meant. The night that the great I am set them free from Pharaoh. And by the way, I am, I am. Yet they still missed it. Isn't that fascinating? We're thinking, man, if I could have been right, I'd have been cool. No, you wouldn't. If they weren't, you weren't, you wouldn't be either. But they got it after first fruits, after resurrection. They got it. All right. So the next thing, fifth thing they would do, they would eat the lamb and then and with unleavened bread. Sixth thing they would do is they drink cup number three of the wine and they would sing Psalm 115 through Psalm 118. So they would sing from 113 through 118. It's called the Hallel. They would sing that, those psalms, during the Passover meal at different times. The seventh thing they would do is drink cup number four. And somewhere in there, either three or four, depends on which theologian you believe, but somewhere in there, Jesus said, this cup is the blood of the new covenant. And suddenly things are totally different. That's not what we normally do at Passover, Jesus. Did you forget the, the, what we're supposed to do? Things begin to change. This is, Jesus said, it's a new covenant now. It's not the same thing that Moses gave to us. You need to understand it's new. There's Jesus' desire. The next thing you see, verse 14 in Luke 22. Look at verse 14. When the hour had come, he sat down and the, the 12 apostles with him. And he said to them, with fervent desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. And in Greek, this is an incredibly emotional moment for Jesus Christ. Why this Passover? But I want you to think for just a moment, a couple of things. Jesus said, with great desire, with great desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you. And I think specifically for the 11 guys in the room, he said, I want to eat it with you. I don't want to be out there with the crowds. Remember, we talked when we were looking in Mark, the crowds that followed Jesus around. At this point, everybody... They're about to desert him and say, crucify him. But just four days earlier, what were the crowds screaming? They were throwing their clothes in his way, saying, make the way straight, and saying, Hosanna to the one who comes. Hosanna, Palm Sunday, screaming, praising him. And now they're, as he leaves this upper room, what are they going to do? Crucify him. Crucify him. So Jesus said, I have a passionate, fervent desire to eat this Passover with you 11 guys, not with the crowds. Think about it. Why those 11 guys? Because those 11 guys were the ones he was going to give the great commission to. And say, now I want you to go out into all the world. Go to the nations, the non-Jewish people. You go to them and teach them what I've taught you. And I'll be with you forever. You make learner followers of me. You teach them what I've taught you, and I'll be with you forever. And the church age began, and we're still part of that. That's what we're doing today. That's why that great commission that he gave to the 11 guys in the room is the same great commission he gave to us. Last thing, before he ascended and left the planet, he said, now you go. I'm going to be with you, sent the Holy Spirit for you, and I'm going to come back one day. We're all going to be together. Let's get ready. And then notice what else he says there. I really, on a personal level, I want to be with you. Before I suffer. That's a direct reference to 
He talks about the suffering of the Messiah to the crucifixion. Before I go through with dying for your sins, you 11 guys, and also, hey, Randy, before I suffer, before I die for your sins, let me remind you just one more time how much I love you. This was not easy for He agonized over going to the cross. Not the physical part of it, the sin part of it. He was God becoming the sin debt. I know we, have, we can't understand that because we sin. He had never, think about this, never had a sinful thought, never had a sinful act, never did anything that was not perfect, and suddenly he's going to take the debt of every sin ever committed on his back. That's why in the Garden of Eden, it said, Garden of Eden, Garden of Gethsemane, it says he sweat blood, agonizing. His capillaries burst, and blood came out, and he said to the Father, is there some way this cup can pass from me? This cup of taking the sin. By the way, that's part of what the Passover is. The cup. Can it pass from me? Nevertheless, not my will, but yours. I'll do what you want me to do, Father. But is there any other way? It was an agony for him. He said, one last time, I'm going to suffer. I just want you to know how much I love you. I'm going to go to the cross for you. And if you read at the end of the Upper Room Discourse, remember this is part of the Upper Room Discourse, at the end of the Upper Room Discourse, in John 17, as he wraps it up, Jesus begins to pray, and he starts out his prayer this way. Father, glorify me with the glory we had together before the world was. He said, Father, let's go back before creation. Remember, we perfect harmony, fellowship, and love. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, that's the only thing that existed. And then he created the world, the universe. Then he created us. And we proceeded to ruin it. And he ends, you know how he ends that prayer? Two ways. One, Father, I pray for those who will believe in me through their word that we might be one. You know who he was praying for? All of those who would hear the gospel from the 11 men in the room and everyone else. You know who that includes? You. Me. He prayed the great high priestly prayer for us. That we would be one. By the way, we talked about this last week. That's the whole idea behind communion, that we come together as one, unified, to go out and spread the gospel. So when I says to these 11 guys, before I go to the cross, I want you to know how much I love you. Then look at verse 16. Why did he desire this Passover so much? For I say to you, I will no longer eat of it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom. This is my last Passover meal, why it's called the Last Supper. It's my last time to celebrate the great Passover festival of the Exodus because I'm fulfilling the Passover. I am Passover, and we will celebrate it one more time together in eternity. We're going from the old covenant, the Mosaic covenant, to the new covenant in my blood. Look at verse 14. When the hour had come. When the hour had come. You want to do a Bible study that will really ignite you. Go through John. Just read the Gospel of John and simply look for the phrase, my hour's not yet come, my hour's not yet come, my hour's not yet come. And then you get to John 13, 1, and it says, Jesus, knowing that his hour had come. 
that was at this meal. He gets down and he washes their feet. And then he proceeds to tell them, this is my last Passover. I'm going away. But before I go away, I'm going to suffer. The sinless Son of God became that butchered lamb at twilight with all that went with it, shed his blood, gave his body, that we might be saved. So he says to them, okay, we're going to stop with this today. There's a lot more about this that I want to get into, and I'm going to do that next week. So would you bow your heads for a moment? And let's just think about Passover. Lord, we thank you that Jesus is the Christ. He is the Messiah. He is our Passover. Without him, without his blood over our lives, we have no covering. We have no atonement. We have no hope. Death does not pass over us without the blood. We thank you for the blood. We thank you for Jesus Christ, that he came, that he died, that he was the lamb, that John the Baptist saw him and said, Behold the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is our Passover. So, Lord, for those of us that are saved, we think about even last week we celebrated communion together in the blood and the body, that daily we would celebrate that in our hearts, that without the blood over us, death does not pass over us, but we have the blood of the Lamb. So death is not an issue for us. So I pray, Father, we would remember Passover and celebrate being unleavened as we live. Justification, we're born again. Sanctification, we live unto you. Because one day first fruits is coming, glorification. We will go home. We thank you for Jesus. For those of us that are Christians, I pray as we close out today, we'll meditate on our Passover lamb. And Father, if there's one person in this room who does not know Jesus as his or her Savior, maybe come to one of us and just say, please pray for me. I want to be saved. I want the death angel to pass over me. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen.